Welcome, birders. This is Ed Pullen, your host on the Bird Banner Podcast, where birders talk birding. Photography has become an integral part of birding, and certainly an important part of the birding community. Facebook pages, Instagram pages, Twitter feeds are just full of birding photography. Most of us, a lot of us at least, uh, birders take pictures. Not many of us consider ourselves expert photographers by a long shot, but these days, with the equipment that they have, it doesn't take an expert to get a good picture. You just have to be lucky sometimes. But experts get good pictures more consistently, and when they get a good picture, it's a really good picture. And today on the podcast, I have an expert professional photographer, Nate Chappell. Nate grew up in the Tacoma area and was a young birding phenom in this area. He and his older brother, Chris, uh, were well-known in the community. Uh, Ken Brown, a good good birding buddy of mine, who's done several episodes with me of the Bird Banner podcast, he still talks about the Chapel Boys as hotshot young birders. <laughs> He's in his 70s now. They were young then. Uh, they're not as young now. But Nate uh, has morphed from being a top birder into a really top photographer. He leads wildlife photography tours, Trogan Photo Tours is his company. He leads birding tours for photography all over the world and is just a leader in his field. His Facebook page, if you wanna follow a Facebook page with just jaw-dropping photography in places you drool about going, follow Nate on Trogan Photo Tours on Facebook. He is really, really good. Uh, I envy the people who go on his tours. Maybe I'll go on one someday, although photography, not so much my thing is just getting out birding, but it is really fun to hear about photography and bird photography from a top expert, and that's what we get to do today. Nate Chappell is my guest. Help me welcome Nate to the Bird Banner Podcast, episode number 54. Nate, thanks for being on the Bird Banner Podcast today. Good to be here with you, Ed. Yeah, welcome. I appreciate it. I've heard all sorts of things about you over the years, but I've barely met you. I think I might have met you at a couple of wrap-ups for Christmas bird counts, you know, decades ago. Uh, but that's about it. Anyway, sure, sure. Well, it's been a while since I've been back in the Tacoma area. So, yeah, yeah you were a prominent uh, young birder in the area. Tell me, tell me your early birding story. How did you get started in birding? Well, you know, my brother Chris studied ornithology at Oregon State University, and uh, my dad passed away when I was pretty young, when I was 10. And uh, then my brother, he started taking me out birding when I was like 11, 12 years old, when he's about nine years older than me. So, uh, you know, he was already quite an accomplished birder, and he started taking me out birding and then uh, kind of introduced me to Tacoma Audubon. And then I start, I got really into birding when I was 11, 12, 13 years old and started going on a lot of field trips with the home Audubon and uh, the Christmas bird count was something was we were always pretty excited about. So. so so you got an early start and had your brother as a mentor. That's pretty cool. Yeah, you guys were such a big part of the bird count. You found so many incredible birds and such a big list in your area that uh, Ken and I used to talk. We'd say, are those guys going somewhere else to get all those birds? How could they be getting them all in that in that one area yeah you guys were really rocking it <laughs> well yeah no we we never did that actually we were always we had area we had area five and uh i mean we had a great area we had uh, a heck of a lot of birds in the area there was i think there was always a little bit of confusion about exactly where the boundaries ended uh you know there was one pond that was over kind of uh right off of the freeway 
that we weren't sure whether it was our, in our area or in another area. So I think that pond may have gotten counted by by uh, by two areas a couple of times. But uh, but no, we had an amazing area, and, and you know we were able to often see ninety species right in our area. Uh, so I'm not sure where. I love Ken. Ken is one of the one of the people that I would consider a mentor that I went on a lot of his field trips and so forth. But I, I don't know where he's getting that part, honestly. So. <laughs> This is from ancient memories, so maybe I'm all screwed up on that. Anyway, uh, Ken is also my uh, best birding buddy and, and mentor. He taught the bird classes for decades and is just oh, okay, a great. super nice guy. So we are best buddies. Uh, cool. So that's a fun, fun uh, little common uh, link there. Uh, so you did that. And then where? how did your career progress from there? After, after obviously, you're still a birder. I assume you're still a birder. Uh, after uh, some period of time, you really got into photography. How did that come to be? Yeah, you know, I, I started, uh, you know, in my 20s, taking a lot of birding trips. Uh, and then, you know, uh, when I I decided to go to Africa finally when I was about 30 years old. And, you know, about a week before the trip, I thought, well, I should really buy a camera to photograph all these animals and, and birds that I've always wanted to see, you know, whether it's rhinos or, you know, cranes or African fish eagles. And so a week before I went on the trip, I went into I went into a camera store. I bought a Nikon F5, a Tamron 200 to 400 lens. Uh, spent a few thousand dollars on photo equipment. I absolutely didn't know anything about what I was doing, uh, but uh, but I thought, well, you know, I, I should record all these animals I've always wanted to see. And uh, my dad and I had always talked about going to Africa, uh, you know, when we were when I was a little kid. And uh, he actually passed away when I was ten, but he was a very accomplished amateur photographer. Uh, so it was kind of. Uh, you know, it was interesting. I went on the trip and I took all kinds of photos and I didn't necessarily think they'd be all that good, but it was a really emotional experience for me because this is something that I wanted to do with my dad, you know, when I was a little kid and then he, he passed away and I finally, I finally got to it 20 years later and, you know, it was a bit of a, I don't know, a bit of a, sort of uh, reckoning with his his passing and, and finally being okay with it, uh, going on that trip and seeing those birds and animals. And, and then when I got home, you know, I, I, I don't know that at that point, I don't think I was a very good photographer, but I had incredible subjects and incredible light, you know, and I, the camera was pretty much put on automatic settings and I had really beautiful photos. So I thought, wow, you know, this is something that, uh, that I could be good at and, and uh, that I enjoyed looking at the photos when I got back and, and taking them when I was out in the field. And so I started, uh, you know, then I started always taking the camera, of course, when I went on a, on a birding trip overseas, uh, you know, and when I was in my, when I was in my kind of uh, late 20s, early 30s, I did a lot of these birding trips because I was a self-employed accountant and, you know, I, I have seasonal affective disorder. So in the winters, you know how the winters are in Washington State, they're, they're depre depressing. And so I'd go to Australia for six weeks or I'd go to, you know, Thailand for six weeks or Africa to, to get away from the weather. Uh and then on one of these trips, I, I met my wife in Ecuador. Uh, so I met her. Actually, she was flying to come to the U.S. Uh, and, uh, and I met her on the flight 
uh, you know, from from Ecuador back to the U.S. at the end of at the end of one of these trips I'd gone on. So that uh, really does happen. You can meet your white your love on an airplane. Very. Crazy. You can. It, it was just like something right out of a movie. Honestly, it was pretty crazy. Very nice. Now, when you've got your first photography equipment, was that still in the you know thirty five millimeter days, or was this a uh, uh, digital photography? Oh no this this was this was way before digital. Uh, yeah, I, and, I assumed it was. Yeah. Yeah, and so it was. Uh, you know, I had to mix a mix sl- of. Uh, slide and print film uh, and so yeah it was uh, you know I've got a bunch of old slides and prints buried somewhere uh, but uh, but uh, obviously I was a little bit late to get into digital uh, my wife really encouraged my photography you know and and I actually after we had been married for maybe six months to a year I bought a big 500 millimeter lens and uh, I think she thought well I've created a monster he's spending all this money on on camera equipment but uh you know after that i i started to be i became a serious photographer after i spent all that money on that 500 millimeter lens and wow. uh and i uh improved and improved and at one point i thought well you know i see a lot of photographers are leading tours now this might be a good way to you know we'd go down to ecuador to visit her family of course you know a couple times a year a good way to kind of help to start to pay for these trips uh and to uh, to be able to make it easier to, to get down to ecuador more often so my wife could see her family and things like that that's kind of how the the tour business started and it, it grew from there okay so you started out pretty much uh using ecuador as your place to go to and you were a sort of self-taught photographer it sounds like uh did did you take any formal training or lessons i didn't have any formal training you know i read a lot of books by you know some of the better photographers out there uh art wolf and uh arthur boris uh you know uh shaw different people like that and 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 I, and then i also uh, you know, I joined some nature photography websites, uh, this naturephotographers.net that uh, I've been a moderator on for a long time. It's not, I'm not as active as I used to be. Uh, but I also learned a lot reading online and so forth. So it was kind of a combination of those things. Yeah, I pretty much am self-taught. Very cool. I think that's uh, not an uncommon story, but very cool story. Uh, so you have uh, Trogan Photo Tours now. Uh, and I'll make sure I put the link to, I think it's just trogantours.net is your website, isn't it? Yes. Uh, so I'll make sure I put a link to that in the podcast notes. But tell me about Trogan Tours. It sounds like there's yourself and at least two or three other photographers who are involved in leading trips for that. Yeah, you know, it started out with just me and then and uh, and my wife helping out some. And then pretty soon after I started doing it and deciding to start leading some like five day workshops in the United States, there was another photographer from the Lakewood area named Ken Archer, who I'd met. And, uh, you know, I talked him into, into helping me lead some tours in the United States, some workshops. And he was a little bit, uh, he was kind of hesitant to do that because he actually had a stutter at the time and, and was a little bit shy and stuff like that. But his wife really encouraged him to do it. She thought it'd be good for him. And, uh, and uh, yeah, it's worked out really well. I think it's, it's helped his confidence. And, and he's a heck of a photographer. He's, he's much more well-published than I am in terms of, uh, you know, he's been, uh, been published in Field and Stream and Ducks Unlimited and, and all these different sort of magazines many times for many years. 
Very cool. Uh, and so he does. And, and I think I saw uh, uh, someone from South America who also is on your team. Yeah, yeah. So, you know, basically it was just me and Ken for a long time. And now I have a wife and, and two young daughters. I have a nine-year-old and a two-year-old. And, uh, you know, about the time my daughter was starting to be four or five, you know, she became very jealous of me leaving on all these trips all the time. And my wife as well didn't want me to be gone all the time. And, uh, you know, and so I'd been to all these different places uh, and knew the guides, knew the lodges. And there were some places like Thailand that, uh, you know, there weren't many other pe- there weren't really any other people leading bird photography tours there. So I was kind of like, well, I th- if I could find the right people to help lead these trips, I think, you know, we could grow the company quite a bit and I can, I can uh, you know, kind of move into more of a manager role and, 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 and we can have a lot more tours. And it's, and that was only like two years ago. So me and a friend of mine named Chuck Genghis and Jim Hoople were in Thailand, uh, you know, just on a small tour. Uh, and, and I, I just, I said to Chuck, well, would you like to lead some tours with us? And Chuck's a, a retired, uh, retired airline pilot. And, uh, you know, uh, yeah, he was all for it. And, and so, you know, my expectations honestly were not that great that we would fill up lots of tours and be, you know, and be extremely successful and so forth. But, but it, it's worked out great. I mean, uh, you know, and then, like you said, what what happened with Guillermo, the first person from from South America that I added, he's from Brazil, is I was supposed to lead a trip uh, right when Hurricane Harvey hit. And I actually got stuck up at the airport in Houston. We live in the south of Houston. And as you may know, the airport's in the north of Houston. And uh, I couldn't get out. Really, luckily, my flight to Brazil was canceled because then uh, my wife all of a sudden was under mandatory evacuation. I couldn't get back to help her, uh, so I kind of had to. I was I was stuck in a hotel near the airport. I kind of had to guide her. Oh, they say you have to drive to San Antonio, take this road, take that road, sort of thing. And then uh, and then I, I and she was five months pregnant with our second daughter. Oh my, so it was, oh my goodness, it was really yeah, it was really stressful. And so I you know I called Guillerme. Guillerme speaks good English and so forth. That I, I knew Guillerme was. Well, I said, look, Guillerme, you're going to have to lead this tour. I explained what happened. I emailed the customers, and uh, I went out to San Antonio and and and, and uh, met my wife. And and uh, luckily, not much happened to our house. Uh, but, uh, you know, the reports back from the customers were that Guillermo did a fantastic job. He was extremely attentive. You know, uh, he took care of the logistical things, you know, the attention to detail and so forth. And so, you know, that gave me the confidence, even though he's only about 30 years old, that, that he was capable of leading trips on his own. And now some photographers are starting to seek me out, actually. Uh, you know, one of the sure. best young one of the best young photographers in Ecuador, Javier Zarita, contacted me last fall and said he wanted to start leading trips with me. So I, I went down and met with him, and uh, you know we came up with some interesting ideas. So uh, yeah, it's 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 gone really well. You know the, I the you know this coronavirus thing I think is going to be to be a hit for pretty much anybody in the travel business. But uh, but uh, yeah, things have gone well from there. So. 
Yeah, so that's pretty exciting. So he, he got a, I used to be in the military. They would have called that a field commission. You know, he was pressed into a, a you know, service uh, <laughs> due to the loss of a, loss of a sub, superior. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, very cool. Uh, so that's great. Uh, do you have any places that are just your favorite places to go take, to do photography and take these tours? I mean, you, I looked at your website. You've been everywhere. I mean, all over the place. You must have some sort of, just places that are near to your heart. What would you say? You know, I, I really love South Africa uh, and uh, just the mix of, you know, birds and animals and beautiful scenery, you know, really nice food, uh, really comfortable accommodations. Uh, and, and most uh, most of the time I've been in South Africa, we've we've sort of been in the uh, the what's called the garden route from Cape Town to Port Elizabeth, and that's just a really beautiful scenic area of coastline with a lot of amazing birds and a, a lot of uh, native plants that are also endemic uh, to South Africa. So that that, that would certainly be the, near the top of my list, uh, and uh, certainly great photography. Uh, you know, I mean, I, I love lots of places in South America. Uh, you know, I love Brazil. Uh, we, we haven't had a trip in Argentina for a while, but I love northern Argentina, the Ibera Marshes. You know, I, and there's just so many places to go. I mean, in Ecuador, uh, I, I really love the Amazon, uh, I would say. But, you know, I've, I've spent time in both the Amazon and Ecuador and Peru. And although it's not easy photography, uh, it's just, you know, really beautiful, enchanting uh, land and uh, great fishing as well. I enjoy a bit of fishing uh, kind of if I get a, get a bit of spare time. So, uh, yeah, those, those are some areas that, I, that would have to be near the top of my list. So, uh, Nate, do you get out birding much? I, I know you take pictures. I mean, take pictures. Do photography. That's I don't mean to demean that. You do a lot of photography. Uh, do you just get out birding sometimes? You know, it's different for me than it used to be, but I do do some birding, but I don't know that, you know, it's a different type of birding. It's more sort of just, you know, when I go out, I, I do a lot of walking for exercise and, and also just sort of for, I guess you'd say sort of to, to keep my head clear and so forth. I do a lot of, that's what I do a lot of thinking about the business and what new trips I might do and my, how we might do things better. And, sure. uh, you know, certainly when I'm out doing that, I'm always looking around and, and, and if there's interesting birds in the area, I'm, I'm checking them out. Uh, and, uh, you know, I'll also do a bit of birding, you know, with a camera where I'm not really worried about getting a great shot necessarily, but I'm kind of carrying my camera around and using that as a bit more like my pair of binoculars if I, if I need to identify something. Uh, rather than carrying around a pair of binoculars. But, you know, I certainly do enjoy seeing birds still. I enjoy seeing a new bird. And, I, you know, I've seen probably, you know, well over 3,000 species of birds, but I don't keep a life list anymore. So, uh, you know, I can't say 100%. If I see a bird that I think it's a new bird, well, it's possible. I might have seen it one time 20 years ago, and I don't remember it. But, uh, but That's uh, just as good as a new bird. You know? Yeah, there you go. <laughs> It is. Anyway, so that's pretty cool. Uh, so, uh, Nate, there are a couple of other things I wanted to make sure we talk about. Uh, you've used social media pretty extensively. I, I, I use them to some degree. I have a Facebook page, the Bird Banner Facebook page, and a Bird Banner Instagram page, and I try to put things up to that. But you are 
pretty active on Instagram, at least. Uh, how does social media play a role in your marketing? How do you use those tools? Well, you know, actually, I think I, I've only been on Instagram about a year. And uh, and I find, you know, at this point, I'm, I think I'm quite a bit better known on Facebook than on Instagram. Uh, but uh, at least... You know, I'd say this, I get about 35% of my web hits from Facebook. Uh, and so what I'll do, uh, you know, is I've got, I've got a Nate Chapel Photography, Trogan Photo Tours Facebook page. And, you know, I'll post photos from previous tours with, with links to, you know, the tours we have coming up and so forth. Uh, you know, and, and uh, sometimes it'll be, you know, sound more like an advertisement. And, and But most of the time, I'm just, okay, I'm sharing this photo from South Africa, and then I'll include a link at the bottom of, of, of the, you know, the post to our next South Africa trip in case anybody wants to check it out sort of thing. So, uh, you know, I think... I think I do get uh, a fair number of customers from from Facebook. Uh, I think we, we get more from Google. Uh, you know, I, our, uh, although my website is not necessarily very fancy looking, it, it searches pretty good in Google. It comes up pretty well. A lot of the tours do come up on the first or second page of a Google search. Uh, so that's probably how we get the most of our new customers. Very cool. And I saw on your website, at least half of your customers are repeat customers. So you must do a good job. People keep coming back. Yeah, we, we have a lot of repeat customers. Uh, you know, a lot of the trips that I lead personally now are, are kind of trips to new areas. Uh, and, 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 and my customers know that. So I've got kind of a following within Trogan Tours where I've got a group of regular customers that, that like to do tours with me. And sometimes I'll suggest, okay, well, let's go try, uh, you know, China, for example, or, or they'll say, well, we'd really like to do a trip to, to, Bhutan, to Bhutan. And then, you know, I would research that trip and see if I could put something together, you know, for the two of them. And then I would email, you know, my other customers that go on a lot of these trips with me and say, okay, well, we're putting together a trip to Bhutan, this is the itinerary and the price and so forth. This is the idea and kind of see who's interested. Uh, and, and those ones I won't even necessarily put on the website because partially because I haven't been there before, uh, you know, and so I'm not 100% sure what's going to happen when I get there. Uh, but, uh, you know, I've got a lot of customers that trust me enough that have been on enough of my tours that, that, that they're that they're confident I'm going to put together a nice trip. So so, uh, so, so the Nate uh, Chapel uh, groupies uh, fill up your trips. <laughs> yep, the, the, the trips I leave, which, you know, for example, we, we were going to do a trip to China in December and we're actually going to go to Wuhan uh, for a couple of nights. Uh, so good, good one to call off there. Yeah, yeah so that, that was not particularly good timing. There's a couple of amazing birds in Wuhan, uh, Reeves pheasant and a Japanese crested ibis. Uh, so probably get the, can you get them at the food market there? Probably. <laughs> I don't know. I imagine you might be able to, but uh, just joking. probably not the crested ibis because it's, it's quite endangered, but, uh, but uh, so, uh, you know, we're moving that back from December to April and we won't be going to, to, to Wuhan. But, uh, you know, that's, that's an area I'm excited to see because China has amazing pheasants and there's, there's 
good hide set up to photograph the pheasants. And, you know, then you have the captive pandas and, and some nice wild animals as well. So uh, I realize that's maybe not a popular destination right now, but I, I think, yeah. uh, you know, when, when this we're done with this, it'll be an interesting place to go to. So all things pass. All yes. things pass. That should be fun. Uh, so a lot of photographers, uh, uh, back up, a lot of birders are starting to use these mirrorless cameras. And, and you know, I've had no experience using them, but I've seen them and they seem like they're solid and more water resistant and you can turn off the clicking sound. So it's kind of nice to take a picture with like on click, 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 click every time you take a picture. Uh, what, what do you think of those? Have you had any experience with them or what's your feedback? Yeah, I mean, I have a little bit of experience using them. And I think, you know, look, this they're getting better and better. Some of these Sony cameras uh, that they've just come out with are really nice. You know, the kind of the knock on them historically has been the autofocus systems aren't as good. But I think, you know, they're working through the ticks with that. And, and probably the newest Sonys are, you know, 95 to 99% of, you know, what you get out of the the top in Canon and, and Nikon cameras in terms of that, uh, you know, the, the fact that they're lighter weight is nice. Uh, but you know, on the other hand, you know, Canon and Nikon, Nikon in particular, I, I'm actually a Canon shooter, but, but Nikon has come out with some amazing lenses recently that are very light. Like there's a 500 millimeter, uh, fixed 5.6 lens that's only like 3.2 pounds now, uh, which is a fraction of, 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 you know, what a 500 fix used to be. So, you know, I'm not, I'm personally not planning to change to mirrorless anytime soon, but I'm actually uh, thinking I'll probably start buying some Nikon gear because they're the, mostly because of these very lightweight lenses they're coming out with. And Canon uh, has, seems to have kind of fallen behind with that. So. Okay. Yeah. I, I'm not a photographer. I take pictures when I go birding and I, I use Nikon stuff and it's easy works great and uh is affordable so yeah these days you know for a relatively uh affordable cost you can get some perfectly passable uh dsl sort of cameras and nice lenses so sure pretty exciting pretty exciting for those of us who uh uh, want to just document what we see and sometimes get lucky and get a good picture. So that's Yeah, I think a lot of birders now are carrying around, you know, uh, whether it's a mirrorless or, you know, like Sigma and Tamron have these affordable 100 to fix, 150 to 600 millimeter lenses that take pretty nice photos now. So uh, you see, it, it seems like, you know, it used to be there, there were bird photographers and there were birders. And that's two different things. But now it's like there's a continuum where there's a lot of birders that take photographs. Uh, and then there's there's bird photographers also that, you know, they kind of want to they want to photograph every species so that, you know, they kind of look at it more like a birder. And then there's bird photographers that just want to get, you know, a few amazing photos sort of thing. So there's a real continuum from from bird photography kind of as an art to to bird photography that's kind of uh, record record taking or listing uh, you know to to pure bird, pure birding yeah there's certainly a spectrum young birders do like you do because you're a photographer i mean i have to say i it's not uncommon to come across very good young birders who don't even carry binos they just they find the birds they've got good eyes they take a picture they see what it is it's uh it seems yeah weird to us old guys but that's happening. See, it seems like that's certainly kind of heading that direction more and more yeah 
Uh, so do you have any bucket list things left? You seems like you've been just about everywhere. What are some dream places that you haven't been to that you really want to go to? Well, that's tough. I've been to uh, so many places I want to go. You know, like I was talking about China. Uh, you know, I've been to India, but that was 25 years ago. So I'd like to go back and photograph uh, you know, recently we did our first trip to Australia and that was really exciting. And so we did mostly Northeast Australia up around Cairns and the Tablelands and so forth, uh, areas where I'd spent quite a bit of time, uh, before when I was in my twenties and, uh, and that was a great trip. But so now I want to go back to probably Southwest Australia. And part of that is the, the burger in me because I've never, I, I've spent a lot of time in kind of the eastern half of Australia, but I've never been to the to the western half, and there's there's a lot of endemics out there. So it would be it would be fun for me to go see a bunch of new birds and, and photograph them out there. What yeah, kind of my favorite family of birds is cranes, and I certainly would like to to try and figure out how to get to Asia and, and photograph some of these uh, some of these species of cranes that I haven't photographed. That'd be really cool. Uh, so maybe you can, uh, I mean, you've, you, you're you a self-taught uh, photographer morphed out of a, uh, a young birder. Uh, you must have learned some things along the line that you can pass on to us birders who just want to get a good picture now and then. Are there any uh, you know simple tricks that I could use or others could use that don't require? too much effort. <laughs> sure. So, you know, I, I think, uh, you know, one of the big things with bird photography is to try and keep your shutter speed up. So certainly if you're out and you're not in the forest, if you're out in an open area where there's plenty of light, you know, I try and keep my shutter speed up around one two thousandth of a second or something like that, because I'm always trying to capture like, you know, the, the action shots, the flight shots, the takeoff shots, if there's birds fighting or interacting, you know, I really like to get that behavior and to have enough speed to freeze the action, you know, you want a fairly fast shutter speed. So, uh, you know, try and keep your shutter speed up. I, I usually shoot in aperture priority, uh, mm -hmm. you know, with these new cameras, you know, most of them are so good that you don't have to shoot at a really low ISO. So, you know, if you go back to film days, you're shooting at like uh, 100 ASA film all the time, which wouldn't let you get a very fast shutter speed. But now, you know, with these cameras, I use a Canon 5D4, uh, but, you know, the, the Nikon cameras are similar. You know, I'm usually shooting ISO 800 to 1250. And I really hardly ever go below like ISO 500, which, you know, the ISO is also in relation to the speed you're able to get. So if you use those sort of medium ISOs and you're out in an open area, you should be able to keep your shutter speed up pretty good. Okay. That's a cool tip. Hope, hopefully that's not too technical. But. I, I think I generally get the hist of it sure. completely. Uh, I have to say that uh, even my simple simple DSLR camera has you know nineteen thousand adjustments you can make somewhere in the background that are utterly confusing. But uh, I, uh, I I also shoot in aperture mode just because it's really easy to do. And, yeah, yeah, we try we try to keep things pretty simple in terms of the instruction. Uh, you know, I, uh, yeah. So the main thing, again, that we concentrate on is usually whether you shoot in aperture or in manual mode, 
you know, try and keep your shutter speed up. Don't be afraid to increase the ISO. You know, uh, that's kind of, uh, you know, in a nutshell, really. Good basic stuff to know. Nate, are there any uh, other things you want to give a shout out to people or causes or other things? Well, I guess I'd have to say hello to everybody back at Tahoma Audubon. Uh, I'm not sure how many people are still uh, birding there that 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 were there when I was there, but it's it's good to hear Ken Brown still still out there birding with you. Uh, so hello to everybody out there. I assume quite a few of those people listen to your podcast. Yeah, very good. Yeah, Ken and I just got back from a trip to Texas. We just went to the lower Rio Grande Valley. I, too, don't like the winters here and have decided I've spent my last complete winter uh, in the Puget Sound area. So I rented an Airbnb for a month in in McAllen. And uh, Ken, and I don't know if you know Bruce Labar, but Ken and Bruce and I uh, spent nine days together birding down there, and we just had a blast. It is so cool. I'm sure, yeah. No, I, re- I remember the name Bruce Labar from Tahoma Audubon, yeah. Sure. Yeah, Bruce came up, but probably, yeah, you, you overlapped a little. He came uh, maybe well, close to 30 years ago, so yeah, he definitely had some overlap. Anyway, thanks, Nate, so much for being on the podcast today. I really appreciate it. I'll make sure I leave good links to all of your uh, uh, social media and website on the uh, on the podcast notes and in my blog post. You, one thing I wanted to mention, you t- talked about a free trip to Ecuador. What's up with that? Well, you know, just to just to get some more eyes on the web page and uh, to to have more people reading our monthly newsletter, we put a we put out a monthly newsletter with photography instruction. Uh, you know, we, we I basically do an article where I go through, uh, you know, several shots I've taken and the settings I use and and the ideas behind the shot. You know, like one month it might be about what ISO to use, another another month it might be how to use flash with your photography. Uh, and, and when we send out that newsletter, we also give updates about, you know, what new trips we have coming up, what trips have spaces on them and so forth. And so, you know, what, what we decided was that through the end of the year, whatever, whatever signups we get for the newsletter, at the end of the year, we'd have a drawing and the winner would, would win the, win a trip to Ecuador or a trip to Peru, the land cost, uh, not, not, not the flight, but basically, right. basically have a complimentary tour to Ecuador or Peru or, you know, whatever they choose. Uh, so yeah. That sounds cool. I'm going to get right on and see. <laughs> sounds too good, too good to pass up. Well, and, and I don't know if you wanted to go through, and uh, you may have to do some editing. Uh, is 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 if you wanted to hear either those stories from Australia or from uh, Eastern Europe, no, the travels please, that I, I had. I I would love to hear about them. Uh, t- tell me some stories. Okay, so I have a couple of interesting stories from when kind of when I was traveling a lot when I was in my twenties before I became a really good photographer but i'm still taking pictures at that point one of them i was traveling around uh the australia and i was i was in the rainforest north of cairns i just had just walked uh, from town back then there you could see cassowary right outside of cairns and so there's there's warning signs in this in this park that say if you see cassowary back away be careful they're dangerous so forth so I'm walking around this rainforest trail and I've got my camera and I've got my binoculars and I'm just having a wonderful morning. I'm seeing all kinds of fantastic birds. I saw noisy pitta, the, the Australian pitta, which is a fantastic bird, superb fruit dove, double-eyed fig parrot. I was getting really just having an 
incredible board then all of a sudden i come up around i've probably walked three or four miles at this point i come up around a bend and and there's a male cassowary in the middle of the trail and and at first i'm like wow that's you know very exciting to see the cassowary but then i start to get a bit concerned because you know i read they're dangerous and so forth but anyways he's parked right in the middle middle of the trail so uh he starts walking my direction. So I start slowly backing up, keeping my eye on him. And, and then, you know, after I backed off a ways, he leaves me alone and kind of walks back to where he was. And then I saw him walk down the other direction. I was kind of on the, on the, he was kind of on the crest of a hill. And so I couldn't see around the corner where he was going. But after a while, you know, I started, I was hoping he'd walk away and I could finish the, the, the loop because I probably only had a mile to go and I don't want to go back three or four miles the other direction. But sure enough, as I go walking up the hill, he comes trotting back at me. So, so then I thought, okay, you know, obviously I'm gonna have to walk back the three or four miles, you know, to, he never got really close to me. I never felt like I was in imminent danger, but you know, it's, it's a bit worrisome uh, to have this thing, maybe 30 or 40 yards from you, uh, you know, coming at you slowly. So, uh, so I walked back and, and, and I should say, I had seen a, a woman come up from the other side of the trail when he trotted down the other direction. So I walked the, walked the three or four miles back out to the front and, and, and I, and I, and I actually ran into that, into that young woman. And I was like, were you the woman there with the, the cassowary? And she's like, yeah. And she's like, were you the, you know, you, you were, must've been the, the guy there. I was like, yeah. And she goes, how come you didn't do anything? And I go, what? And she goes, that freaking bird kicked me. And so I guess what happened was you pushed it at her. Yeah. Uh, well, I guess. Yeah. But, but, uh, but uh, what she said was that uh, she felt like she had let the bird get too close to her. And so she didn't want to run away at that point. So she kind of knelt down in the fetal position and, 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 and sort of, you know, put her put her arms around her, her abdomen, and it kind of gave her a, a warning kick in the side, which she was very lucky oh, because it could have torn out her sides if it had been really oh, yeah. really serious about it. But she was convinced it was just kind of, you know, telling her to get out of there, sort of thing. So then she managed to get away and, and get out to the fr- get out to the front, and and that's where I ran into her. But uh, it, it's funny because I was thinking later what what I was I supposed to do, like take a piece of wood and hit the thing in the head or something. But, uh, really? uh, yeah. but anyways, I ended up getting along really well with her and we ended up going out for, for a drink and, and to a dance club that night. Uh, but then I was leaving the next day and it, it was probably for the best because I guess I, I never would have been her knight in shining armor. Yeah, after, you after... weren't very chivalrous. When, when no. <laughs> that's funny for those for those who might not be uh familiar cassowary is a big uh big uh bird in uh, uh in australia is it not i i i have not been to australia yeah it's australian new guinea and uh you know there it's a big flightless bird with very heavy legs uh and 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 feet uh, and they've gored quite a few people. Uh, so oh uh, they, it's one of the most dangerous birds out there, actually. And uh, 
yeah, so uh, she was lucky uh, that uh, that nothing worse happened there. But uh, yeah, anyway, well, that, that's yeah. good. And you said you had another. That's a good story. Tell me another one. Yeah, well, you know, uh, probably the other story, burning story that really sticks in my mind is. I had gone to Europe to visit a friend in the Czech Republic. And after spending some time with him there, I went down to Austria on my own to do some birding. There's a really good birding area in eastern Austria on the border with Hungary. And the, the, it's called the Hansog. Uh, and there's a national park there and so forth. Uh, you know, and I think the national park, you know, it's like it, there's a national park on both the Austrian and the Hungarian side. But anyways, the birding book says, you know, go drive along, go, you know, drive up to this sort of border checkpoint and then drive along the river. It's quite good birding on the river and then turn to go into the national park. So looking back at it, I can see how this might have looked a little bit suspicious, me driving up, taking a look at the border crossing, then taking a left turn, getting my binoculars out every few minutes or so and, and looking for birds. Uh, and then and then I drove into the National Park, like it said. So I'm, I'm birding in the National Park and seeing some interesting birds. Like uh, I really love raptors as well. Besides cranes, they're probably my favorite family of birds. And so I'd seen some good birds like Montague's Harrier and, and, and a couple other nice species. And, uh, you know, I assume that I can't get into Hungary on this road. I, I didn't see where you you know, be able to cross the border or anything like that. But all of a sudden, a black helicopter comes down over the top of my rental car. And I'm in the car and I think, oh my God, what do I do now? I mean, I was just petrified. And so I thought, well, look, I don't really want to get out of the car. God knows what they'll do or who this is or whatever. So I thought to myself, well, maybe they don't, maybe I could actually get into Hungary going this direction, even though it's the, it's like the only main road in the Austrian National Park. I thought, well, maybe they want me to turn around because they don't want me to go into Hungary. That's the only thing I could think. So I slowly turned the car around and started moving back towards, you know, uh, the Austrian town. And the, the helicopter flew off and I was like, Oh, thank God, you know, okay, you know, I guess that must have been it. So uh, so then I'm driving along slowly, trying to get back into doing a bit of birding to get my mind off what just happened, you know. Get your, get your heart rate to drop. Exactly, exactly. And so this little police car pulls up and Hans and Franz get out and, and they come up to me and they go, they go, uh, and the first thing I said is I had the bird book right in my, my binoculars in the passenger seat right next to me. I just I pointed at the bird book. And I said, "Look, I was just birding. I, you know, I was just birding." <laughs> and the, and they go, "Are you British?" You know, I think that's 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 the assumption in Europe if they if they find right. out you're a birder. I was like, "No, no, I'm an Amer I, I, I'm American." And they're like, "Okay, uh, let us see the rental car agreement and you know your passport." So I pass it to them. They pass it back and forth. They look at each other. They pass it back to me. They go, okay. And, I, and they didn't give me any sort of explanation. I was like, well, did I do something I wasn't supposed to do? And they just go, no, we were looking for someone. <laughs> and, and so I guess I wasn't that someone, and, uh, and, and I, I was free to go. But, uh, but actually, you know, they talk about black helicopters and paranoid people. After that, 
I was a bit paranoid until I got back to Vienna. It's like for a day or two, I just didn't feel right. And, uh, and I didn't lose that feeling until two days later when I got back to Vienna. I felt like at that point, okay, I'm just blending in with everybody else. And I don't look like some Austrian criminal or something like that. <laughs> but my, my, friend, my friend who was in the Czech Republic thought it was hilarious anyways when I, when I got back in touch with him. I bet he did. I bet he did. So you, so you didn't un- end up in uh, some Hungarian or Austrian jail somewhere. No, no, I didn't. And, uh, you know, I t- my friend Jason, who was, who was working in the Czech Republic, he said that uh, there had been a lot of human, like looking back on it later, there had been a lot of it, human smuggling going on from Eastern Europe, and that's probably what they were looking at. Oh, so. Yeah, you didn't. You didn't have four little girls in the back. No, I, I didn't. So that's no, good. Exactly. That's good. Yeah, yeah. I, 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 it's poor, probably in poor taste. I didn't mean to. Make yeah, that we we can edit that. We can edit. We can edit. that's okay. You can edit that uh, part my, out. <laughs> my my apology will uh, suffice. I think uh, all of us are not uh, completely politically correct sometimes. There you anyway, go. good stories, Nate. I bet you've got a lot of them. Uh, you certainly have uh, seen a lot of this earth. Uh, and uh, taking pictures of a lot of it too. So that's really cool. Well, the Chapel brothers certainly have their niche in Tacoma's birding history. I appreciate being on with me today. It was really fun to hear about photography birding tours. I've been on a limited number of birding tours, but never really a photography tour. And it sounds like any birder or other photographers interested in birding or nature photography could do well to look you up and book a tour. Uh, Thanks again for being on as a guest today. I appreciate it. Take care, Nate. Well, that wraps up the Bird Banner Podcast, episode number 54 with Nate Chapel. I really enjoyed hearing about birding from Nate uh, and photography from Nate. He is a really top birding photographer. I hope you check out his Facebook page and enjoyed the podcast today. Be sure to leave a review or rating on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, wherever you get your podcast feeds. That helps me. I also get feedback that helps me get better. So thanks again for listening. Until next time, good birding. Good day.